Psalms 22.3 says, But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted and you delivered them. We were just singing. We were singing Psalm 8 that says this, O Lord, our Lord. How excellent, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man? that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him. For you made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Listen, this is speaking of us. He said, you made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. And you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the, the paths of the seas. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Oh Lord, our Lord, is he your Lord? That's not a trick question. He said, oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. <laughs> how majestic is your name in all the earth. He's worthy, worthy, worthy. He's so worthy of our praise and our adoration. Think about that. It says that he inhabits the praises of Israel. Now, we've been grafted in. We're children of, of Abraham. He said that all those who believe by faith, they're of Abraham, of Father Abraham. So we're grafted in. So God says, when we praise, he inhabits the praises. Now, let me, let me just break that down just a little bit, because I want to. He's in us, right? When we receive Him, Christ comes to live on the inside of us. But John 14, 21 says this, He who has my commandments and keeps them, He it is that loves me, and He'll be loved of my Father, and I will manifest myself to Him. You know what that word manifest is? It means visibly show. <laughs> So there's God in us always. We don't have to ask God to come be with us in the fact of uh, His abiding presence. But there's a difference when He said, my manifested presence will come. It was the manifest presence of God that we see in, uh, in the Bible when Solomon dedicated the temple. It was the manifested presence that we see when David danced before the ark of the Lord. It was God's tangible presence that showed up when they dedicate. I was reading uh, earlier today 
when Solomon, we were looking at it last week in uh, 2 Kings. Let me see if I have it, Mark. Nope, I don't. 2 Chronicles, I'm sorry. Kings and Chronicles record a lot the same. Listen, this is 2 Chronicles. There's, we read 7 when he dedicated the temple, but this is chapter 5. And uh, Solomon gets everyone together, and it says, And it came to pass when the priests... Uh, Verse 11, it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests were presented, present, had sanctified themselves with, uh, without keeping of their divisions. And the Levites who were singers and all those of Asaph and Haman and Judah, Jedathan were the sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments and harps and with them 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Listen. That wasn't a quiet day. Are you with me? And, oh, help me, Jesus. And it came, indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in, the pra- and, in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up the, the voice with the trumpet and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever. What was their attention on? He is good, and his mercy endures forever. For he is good. That's who he is. And his mercy endures forever. It said, then, uh, it's forever, that the the house of the Lord was filled with the cloud so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud. Listen, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. (laughs) For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. You know, we've been teaching on worship the who, what, when, where and today I want to talk about the why but I would be amiss if I just said we're going to talk about the why we worship without acknowledging the who again because worship is not how we worship it's who we worship but the more I understand that the more I understand and, and here's what I want you to know Know that I'm saying this in love, okay? Do you love me? I love you. You love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me. <laughs> Sorry, that's Barney. <clears throat> I, I truly believe it. I've said this over and over again, and I'll continue to say. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the how of worship some. And, uh, but I, I am not... Uh, focused, concerned about the outward, your outward expression. I'm not. But I will say this. When God does an inward work, there's always an outward expression. You can't find it from Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation. When God touches the heart of man, there's always an outward expression. So here's what I'll say. We were singing earlier, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Y'all remember that? We were singing that. And we were making that as a declaration. It said here uh, that when they came together and the instruments and the voices and everything was like one voice that the cloud filled the house of God. They were focused and they were intentional in the declaration they were making about who God was to them. And I want to tell you that when we can declare on earth as it is in heaven, I'm convinced we don't understand what that looks like. Because when I see that, I go to Revelation chapter 4, and we were crying about all the angels cry out, holy, holy, holy. And you read in Revelation 4, when they cry out, holy, this is what's going on in heaven. They cry out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And the elders, the 24 elders, fall down at his throne. They cast their their crowns down before him, and they worship him. That's an outward expression. They fall down and they worship him. And as, as I've been studying that Matthew from Matthew 5 and Matthew 6, and we have what people call the Lord's Prayer, which is really not the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer because the Lord's Prayer is in John 17 when he actually prays for us. That's cool stuff in there. But in my, Matthew 6, his disciples said, John's, John's just taught his disciples how to pray, teach us. And he said, all right, here's how you do it. You say, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed, holy, set apart is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, this should be your prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. See, I believe with all my heart, even as God has been developing me, that your corporate expression of worship is just a mirror of your private expression of worship. I told you I loved you. I, Stephen gave this illustration the other, other week in youth, last Sunday in youth, and I'm going to borrow it. I'm not going to steal it. I'm not a thief or a robber. But he said this. He said, if my, he said, if my grandmother walked in the room, would you be excited? And the youth's like, no, not really. And... Uh, he said, because it's not your grandmother. He said, but if my grandmother walked in the room, I'd be, inci- I'd be excited because of the relationship that I have with her. Just her presence coming in the room would make me excited. Now, I want you to understand that when we sing in the presence of the Lord comes in, and if you missed it, I'm sorry, but he's here. Okay? He's here. And when, we, when, he come, when his presence comes in the room... He's not of his, absent of his presence. Are you with me? So if I came in the room, my presence is here. It means I'm here with you, present with you. Am I here also? Yes. God's no different. He's, he's no different than we are. We sometimes put God way off and he's not. He's very near. And when we feel the tangible presence of the Lord come in in worship like we felt today, I hope you felt I'm not about feelings, but again, I believe that when we encounter the living God, something's going to give, and it's normally us, not Him. And I just want you to understand my heart. I want you to know where I am. We're going through our core values as a church, and I want you to understand where I am. I'm not just about a weekly gathering so we can say we did church. And I know everybody's not down with that. 
and I'm okay with that. But I want you to understand that when we gather here, my heart every time we gather is not just an opportunity for me to preach another message. It's that we would meet with the God of heaven corporately. That would be an expression of what we've been doing individually. That, you know, Matthew 6, this verse has been wrecking me. Matthew 6, 6. You can turn there if you'd like. I am. Matthew 6, 6. This is when his disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And in verse 5, it says this, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Well, you were just talking about there ought to be an outward expression. That's exactly right. What he's talking about right now is a time of intimacy. He said, and surely I say to you, they have their reward. Verse 6. But when you pray, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, what's that talking about? That's talking about intimacy. That's a long time with him. When you pray, he said, when you pray, you get alone. You go in and you shut your door. And listen to this. This is what's been wrecking me. Pray to your father who's in the what? See, if you've been missing him, if you've come to church and you go, man, I just don't feel God. You keep talking about experiencing God. You keep talking about feeling God. I can tell you, he's not lost. He's in the secret place. That's not my word. It's his. He said, when you shut the door, pray to the father who's where? Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. He's in the secret place. You know why? Because it's that place of intimacy with Him. It's that place of saying, Jesus, I want you. It's that place that we see in... uh, It's that place that we see in 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to be all over the place. I'm just telling you. Because I'm trying to put together what he's putting in, and sometimes it's just all over the place. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, this is, I've shared this many times, but this is David. This is David worshiping. Uh, when, when David went to get the ark the first time, and remember he did it wrong, and uh, I just went blank. The guy touched the ark and he died, and they left it at Obed-Edom's house. And uh, so David goes back to Jerusalem. He's discouraged because he, in his secret place, he's been with God. And he knows what it is to be in the presence of the Lord. And David's hungry for that, not just for him, but for Israel. Listen to me. Listen, listen. That's my heart. It's not that I can come in here and brag about me being in my secret place with him. It's that I can come in and I can encourage you and challenge you to get in that secret place because he's not just there for me. He's there for you. It's so easy to get busy and just do life and even do church and and do it without a true vibrant relationship with him. And that's not his heart for us. It's so easy in our culture to do 
a good thing and miss a great thing. Amen. David wasn't going to do just a good thing and say, well, we tried. How many of you have ever, you know what, and I'm, I'm not going to be politically correct today. This doesn't have anything to do with politics. How many of you ever been after God and been discouraged because you go, man, I went like I thought I was supposed to go. Maybe it was what I saw somebody else doing, so I wanted to do what they did. <laughs> and, but I went after, I really pursued God, but didn't see him like I wanted to see him. I no head bowed, no eyes closed. Everybody just saying, man, I'll just be real. I've went after God before and had a heart really set on him, desiring to see something and didn't see it. And got discouraged. Oh, you don't have to keep your hand up. Got disappointed. Sometimes just got straight out southern mad. David could have done the same thing. Was David's heart right in wanting the presence of God in, in, in Jerusalem? And, huh? Yes, it was right. And sometimes we can set, set out after God and say, man, I want you. But we may want it for what we can get out of it. We may want it for what we can do. We may want it for anything other than what his heart is, and that's intimacy, that we would just want him. Now, I'm not opposed to you. I, heard, I saw a post on Facebook by Bill Johnson this past week that was so good. He said that he's not caught up with people who are seeking the hand of God. They're just seeking the hand of God. They want God to do something in their life. He said, because here's what's so cool about God. He's connected to his hand. He said, if you get his hand and you just look up, there he is. I was like, that's so good. That's so good. Bill can say stuff like that, get away with it. But David, he, he wanted God's presence so much so that he went after it, even though he did it wrong. But here's what I love. I believe with, with all my heart, this is why David was a man after God's own heart. Not because he was perfect, but because he was passionate. David wouldn't settle for just the status quo. David wouldn't settle for just what everybody else had settled for. Right? Do we see that throughout his life? Not just here in 2 Samuel chapter 6, but we see that throughout his life. When he was watching his father's sheep and the lion came in, what did he do? He didn't go, oh, snaps, there goes one. Well, Dad, the lion got one today. No. Nope. Then the bear came. Did he go, oh, there's another one. Dad, it's been a bad day on the farm. You know, it, it happens. It's life, right? Life happens, Pop. We were just there, and it happened. You know, I mean, really, Dad, did you expect me to go get the, the lamb out of the lion's mouth? Oh, no, Dad, you, that's not David. David was passionate. He said, nope, these are put in my care. I'm not going to lose a one of them. He took the lamb from the lion and the bear. Then we go, we see David. He's there tending the sheep, right? And his dad says, I want you to take some food to your brothers. They're on the battlefield. No, they weren't. They were at a battlefield, but they were hiding. That whole, how that whole thing played out is so funny to me. Because it says, if, when you read that, they would get up every morning and they would come out of their tents and they would run towards the battle and scream. And then Goliath would stand up and they would go back to their tent. Well, it ain't happening today. He's still there. <clears throat> they would get up and go out with a shout and then go back to their tent. Well, he's still there and he's asking for one. You going? I ain't going. You going? Nope, I'm not going. And David comes, a shepherd boy. He comes and he said, what's all this? 
what is all this? David was passionate. Saul, and he said, who's this? And we get caught up in words. David basically said this, who's this guy who doesn't have a covenant with the living God, mocking the God of heaven? Who is he? David said, I don't get it. He said, I'll fight him. Now, here's all these people who have been trained, right? Right? That would be just like today, America being in a battle on a battlefield and some farmer boy who came up in his overalls and his tobacco in his mouth, you know, and he's bringing food up. And everybody that's trained, they've got all their warfare. They've got all that training. They got their, all their, right, Jonathan and Jake, they could spit out Josh, all the rifles they would have, all the guns they would have strapped to them and all this. It would be a bunch of artillery. And this old country boy just going up and going, what's everybody afraid of? Let's get her done. Let's go get him, boys. What are we waiting on? That was free. <clears throat> so he comes up and he said, God, the God who gave the lion and the bear into my hands, he'll deliver this uncircumcised, this uncovenant Philistine, this mocker of the living God. He'll put him into my hand. David went and he fought with a sling and five smooth stones. Buried one right in his head, killed him. Cut his head off with his own sword. Carried it back up the hill. Said, this is what you were afraid of? This, this is what you were afraid of? That David that was passionate, when he went after the ark and he did it wrong, he didn't go, oh, well, I don't guess it's meant for us to have it. <laughs> Any, anybody ever been there? You know, I won't make you raise your hands this time. Well, I got passionate about that Jesus thing, and I said I was going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and it didn't work out. So, oh, well, I just must not be what God wants me to be. Must not be what God wants me to do. <laughs> oh, don't shout me down. <laughs> David, it said in, that David heard about Obed-Edom's house and how it was being blessed. And he said, I know why it's blessed. It's because the presence of the Lord is there. And I have to have it. So that sets up the whole thing. See what I'm telling you? I went through all that to tell you this, that David had an intimate relationship with the Lord. He knew who his God was. He wasn't God just way off. David understood who God was to him. Do you hear me? We have to know who God is to us, not to our neighbor, not to someone else who's passionate, but we have to know who God is to us. You know how we find out who he is to us? In the secret place. And it was in that secret place that David said, I can't just have it for me. I've got to have it for Israel. And here's what, when you get passionate for him, when you taste and see, that's what the word says, Psalms, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When we taste and see that the Lord is good, we, we can't just taste for ourselves any longer. When we taste and see the Lord is good, we have a desire to take the goodness of who he is to those around us in a practical way. You ever been to a good restaurant? You didn't tell any of your friends about it, did you? You just kept it to yourself because you're scared to get crowded, right? No, the first thing you do when you get together with some friends, man, have y'all eaten over here? No, we're going to go over there because that's good. You need to taste this stuff because it's good, right? Right? We'll do that in the natural. 
We'll do that in the natural. We'll say, hey, come over here. You need to try this. This is good. This steak, this ice cream, whatever. This off the charts. You need to try this. It's good. He said, oh, taste and see. David had tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And he said, it's not enough just for me. I've got to have this for Jerusalem. So he went after it. And, and here we see uh, verse 12. Now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of obed even all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark for, of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when, uh, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod, which is what a priest would wear. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now, as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw David, King David, leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. Now, here's what I want you to know. She didn't have the relationship with the Lord that David had. So she allowed what David was doing to to bring disdain in her heart. And I want to caution us as a house because we're talking about worship and we're talking about this wants to be a, I want this to be a place of free worship. Here's the thing. You won't have to stand before God for anybody else's worship. Whether you like it or hate it. So if you see someone worshiping in a way that's, that's awkward to you, then the cool thing about that is you don't have to answer for it. If it makes you uncomfortable, readjust your focus from them to him. See, David, he danced because he understood the, the power and the, uh, the goodness of God that, that had come for everyone to encounter. And she didn't have that same relationship, so she could look and go, well... That's probably fake. He's just trying to show off because he's the king and he's acting like a fool, looks like a fool. And it says she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark. of Listen, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. Then David, off, David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins, so that all the people departed, everyone to the house. See, David came in, and he had a big party. He had a big party, and he wanted, it to, he wanted everyone to experience it. I believe that as we, as Matthew 6, 6, that when we go in that secret place and we shut the door and we begin to worship him, it's there that you get lost in his presence. And, and you get lost there in the secret place when it's just you and him and there's no one looking. And see, what happens in that secret place is you learn to be so focused on him when you come in here or any other place of worship, you're not distracted because you didn't come in to worship them. You came in to worship him. <laughs> so your eyes aren't set on them or, or their manifestation. Your eyes are set on him. Amen, preacher. And then I think the beauty of that is 
when we come in with that heart birthed out of intimacy, that it's contagious. It's like wildfire. That others go, you know what? I love the way Katie worships. Used to it distracted me, but now it challenges me. I love the way Stephen worships. Now, Stephen, he worships. But it's his secret place that's brought him into this place where he doesn't care because he's not worshiping to anybody in the room. He's worshiping to the one. Whoever, I could throw out a list of names and then you'll start looking for names and that's not what I'm after. But I'm saying this, I believe that 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 time of intimacy in the secret place prepares us to when we come into a corporate place, we're not here to do anything. David wasn't saying, I've got to make sure I have my two-step right. I've got to make sure I get the charismatic shuffle and the Pentecostal jig. That wasn't what he was doing. It says David danced and twirled. He danced himself into the linen ephod. He danced himself out of all the priestly garment and just danced before the Lord. And I heard this talk one time. It was so, so beautiful. David, it says that David came in before the ark and he danced before the ark. And they said that uh, when you study history, when, when a king was defeated by another king, the triumphant king would strip the defeated king and put him in front of his procession coming into town. So David was saying, I've been conquered by the king behind me. <laughs> oh, that's so good. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Ghost. That just run all over me. He said, I've been conquered by the king behind me, and so I'll dance foolishly, because he's my everything. He's defeated. I have no will anymore. He's defeated me. And the beauty of that is not that God defeated us, it's that God bought us. And he raised us up as kings and priests to our God. That's what Revelation says, that we are kings and priests unto our God. You know what the kings and priests did? They were the ones that orchestrated. What is David doing? He's bringing the presence of God. And what did the priests do? They worship. The kings and the priests are the ones who orchestrated and administered worship to our God. That's so good. That's who we are. That's the privilege that we have. And I'm telling you, the, the corporate expression of worship, the, the why we worship is because we've been conquered by a king. And this king is good. And he's full of mercy. His mercy endures forever. But it, there are many, <laughs> there are many who haven't been conquered. They've been courting, but they're not conquered. They like the idea of God, don't like the idea of hell. Like the idea of having some peace and some hope in the world. Don't like the idea of frustration. But they haven't come to the place where they go, I'm conquered by my king. And he's, he's good, and he's merciful. And I want him to receive all honor and glory in the earth. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 and 31 says this, But of him you are in Christ Jesus. Of the Father you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. 
Who? He said, of him, of the Father, we are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom. He's become for us righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31 says that, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He said, he's become wisdom for us. He's become sanctification. He's become righteousness for us. He's become redemption for us. So that when I glory, I have only one thing to glory in. That's in Jesus. I'm not made righteous by what I do. I'm made righteous because I'm in him. That he receives all the honor and all the glory. And that's when we can dance like David danced. Because he's worthy. Listen to, I just want to read a few of the Psalms to us to to get a picture of what what it looks like when we can lose sight of us and everything that's going on and see him. Psalms 47 says this, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. <laughs> Shout to God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is awesome. I like that word, awesome. The Lord Most High is awesome. <laughs> He is a great king over all the... He's a what? He's a great king over all the earth. He will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. He will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob whom he loves. Selah. Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Verse 5. God has gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises for God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The princes of the people have gathered together. The people of the God of Abraham for the shields of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. You think he got a little excited? Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. (laughs) Sing praises. Psalms 150. I love this one. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you know what? It doesn't have a a question mark on the end. It has an exclamation point. It's not a suggestion. Praise the Lord. So let me ask you this. Does this sound like a quiet setting to you? Praise the Lord in his sanctuary and his mighty firmament. Praise him in his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent goodness. Listen, then he gets into it, verse 3. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet, with the lute and harp, with the timbrel and dance, with the stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him Listen, I love this. He didn't say with symbols. He said loud symbols. <laughs> with loud, with clashing symbols. In case you didn't get the loud part. He said, if you don't get the loud part, it's the clash, 
I've played the loud cymbal before. <laughs> you played the triangle. Nathan, you didn't have to say that out loud. <laughs> they said he played the triangle. Everybody raise your hand this way. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that Nathan will get to play the loud cymbal one day. He had to play the triangle. <laughs> I've, I've played the loud cymbal, sometimes too loud, in band class. You know, he's worthy. He's worthy. And what he's been teaching me in my secret place is this. The more I see him in my secret place, the more I manifest him in public. And, and if you go back to Matthew 6, this is so beautiful. I stopped too soon. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Matthew 6, let's look at that again. <clears throat> Listen, I got to the secret place. He prayed to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in the secret place will do what? Will reward you openly. You know what's so beautiful about that? You don't have to reward yourself. You don't have to seek reward. You don't have to seek approval of man. You don't have to seek anything but him. And as you seek him in the secret place, listen, it's not a might or a maybe. Are you with me? Stay focused. I won't be long. Track with me a little bit longer. He said, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door... Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Again, if you've lost God, he's not lost. He's in the secret place. And he said, the God in that secret place and your Father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. I'm convinced that this could be married to Ephesians 3.20. And I sent out an email this last week. Uh, I hope you got it. And if you got it, I hope you read it. <laughs> Because it was kind of a, an add to what I preached last Sunday because I didn't want to go back and preach all that again this Sunday. But he said here that the Father who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. I believe this is married to Ephesians 3.20. It says to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. And we can't stop there. What's the rest of the verse say? According to the power that's at work on the inside of us. So that power that's at work on the inside of us, I think for years I've taught that power that's at work on the inside is what you manifest on the outside. I believe that, but I believe there's an addendum to it. It's not just what you do. I believe that that power that's at work on the inside of you is what gets stirred up and what starts working in the secret place. And as you're in that secret place, it's that power that you look and you say, God, you're good and your mercy endures forever. It's in that secret place that you see Ephesians. It says that we're accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1.6. You know what's so beautiful about that word, Ephesians 1.6, where he says you're accepted in the beloved? It's used one other time in the scriptures. One time. One other time. You know where it's used in the scriptures? It's when the angel came to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and said, Mary, you are highly favored in the sight of God. <clears throat> That word highly favored is this word accepted in Ephesians 1.6. So you, it, would be, it would be very accurate to say you are highly favored in the sight of God. Why? Because you're accepted in the beloved. So the word accepted means highly favored. The same thing that 
you know, as I looked at that, I was reading that this week too. I was reading, I just wanted to see Jesus. <laughs> and when I get in my secret place, I just want to see Jesus. I'm not studying to get a message for you. I just want to see him. And when I'm in that secret place, I went back and I just, I looked at the conception of Jesus. And I look at when Mary was there and it says that the Lord told her this, you're highly favored. And the Lord took me to Ephesians 1, 6. He said, she's no more favored than you are. We shouldn't worship Mary. She was a woman that God used. And, but she was a woman that was highly favored. That can't be ignored either. And I went from there and what's amazing to me, listen, listen. <laughs> Mary just gets the news, said this, this thing that's going to be in you is the Son of God. Said the Holy Spirit's going to come and overshadow you. And this thing that'll be born in you will be the Son of God. And that Mary goes to bed that night. She gets up. She said, I need to go see Elizabeth, her cousin. I need to go see Elizabeth. So she goes to see Elizabeth. Mary was the night before. The night before the angel came and, and Mary was impregnated with the seed of God. The next day, she goes to see her cousin. And as soon as she walks in, Mary does something very spiritual. She goes, hey. And Elizabeth goes, oh. she said, she didn't say, hey, I'm pregnant. She went in, she greeted Elizabeth. And when she did, it says that John the Baptist on the inside of her was six months old. It said that her belly, the, the baby leaped in her belly and he was filled with the Holy Ghost just because Mary said, hey. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> we got Holy Ghost on the inside of us. When we spend time in that secret place and we say what Mary said, God, be it unto me according to your word. I don't understand everything he said in my head, but I know in my heart he's a man. He's not a man that he could lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. And when he said the same power that's in you is the, is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and he said in John 14, 12, the works that you do, that I did, you do, and greater than these shall you do because I go to the Father. I believe as we spend time in that secret place, sometimes, <laughs> this sounds silly, you can walk up to somebody, you just say, hey, and the Holy Ghost will hit them, and they'll go, whoa, what was that? You didn't preach a message. You didn't slap them with anointing oil. You said something very spiritual. Hey. It said that Elizabeth said, this, this in you is the son of God. When you spoke, my baby jumped and she, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. That's John the Baptist, right? Jesus said, he who's least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. Shava! Jesus said it. He who's least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. And he was filled with the spirit at six months old in his mama's belly. He's good. And his mercy endures forever. The God who sees in the secret place will reward you openly. What am I saying? Here's our takeaway. I want us, and you know what? This is not uh, really cult culturally popular. 
in the church to have a secret place where you get intimate with the Father. What's culturally popular is that you go to church and do the church thing and that you have good morals. Am I for good morals? Absolutely. But not to the place that, that where your morals become your identity and you think, well, I'm a good person because I do good things. Instead of saying, I'm a child of God and I carry in me the presence of God. When I say hey to people, it ought to rock their world. <laughs> See, we have, to, we have to totally change the way we see ourselves, and we have to see ourselves like he sees us because he's good, and his mercy endures forever. And as we see him as that in that secret place, I'm convinced that as, as we see him in the secret place, that he does that exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. 